the fish incarnation. By the grace of the Matsya Avatar, Manu saved himself from the great danger of the flood. May that same fish incarnation save us from the great and fearful danger caused by the son of Trashta. Text 24. In the beginning of creation, a tremendous wind caused fierce waves of inundating water. The great waves made such a horrible sound that Lord Brahma almost fell from his seat on the lotus into the water of devastation. But he was saved with the help of the Lord. Thus, we also expect the Lord to protect us from this dangerous condition. Text 25. The Supreme Personality of Godhead, who created us by his external potency and by whose mercy we expand the creation of the universe, is always situated before us as the super soul. But we cannot see his form. We are unable to see him because all of us think that we are separate and independent gods. Purport. Here is an explanation of why the conditioned soul cannot see the Supreme Personality of God in face to face. Even though the Lord appears before us as Lord Krishna or Lord Ramchandra and lives in human society as a leader or king, 
the conditioned soul cannot understand it. Avajananti mamudha manishim tam ashritam. Rascals, mudhas, derive the Supreme Personality of Godhead, thinking him an ordinary human being. However insignificant we are, we think that we are also God, that we can create a universe, or that we can create another God. This is why we cannot see or understand the Supreme Personality of Godhead. In this regard, Srila Madhvacharya says, Lingam eva pashyama karachit abhimanas tu. Devanam apisaniva praya kaleshu nascheva. Tara tamyena sopi tu. We are all condemned, excuse me, we are all conditioned to various degrees, but we think that we are God. This is why we cannot understand who God is or see him face to face. Om Ajnana Timirandasya Jnana Jana Shalakaya Tasmai Sri Gurave Namaha Jai Sri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Sri Advaita Gadadhara Sri Vasadi Gora Bhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Because of the appearance of the demon Vichasura the demigods are in a panic. They are satam devotees. They are devotees of the Supreme Personality of Godhead, no doubt. But they have material desires to fulfill. As you know, someone gets the status of a devata who is a devotee but has a desire to enjoy and to control. In the fifth canto of Shiman Pahatam, you may remember, there is a series of verses where the demigods advise all that if we have any punya, any good karma, any pious activities left in our account after our stint in the heavenly planets, we want to be born on earth as a human being because the sense gratification in the heavenly planets is thousands of times better than what's available elsewhere, especially compared to earth. So you might think, well, if it's so good, why do the devatas want to leave the heavenly planets after this stay is finished and take birth on earth. They explain that they understand the purpose of the material universe from the highest planet to the lowest planet is all for reviving your connection to Krishna. And the heavenly planets are a difficult place to do that because they say there's so many distractions. They want 
to go back to Godhead as expediently as possible. And they think can't be done in the heavenly planets. The path back to Godhead, up from the heavenly planets, through the topmost planets of the universe, up to Brahmaloka, it's a long route. And the chances are most likely that the conditioned soul making that gradual ascent will become so fascinated and bewildered by the heavenly material pleasures and mystic powers. Just like on Siddhaloka, all the residents have the eight mystic perfections of yoga. There are other planets like of the Vijadaras who can appear and disappear at will. Even the lower heavenly planets, those of the Gandharvas and Apsaras, they present such delights in music and dance and art that it's very difficult to close your eyes to all that. So the Devatas in the fifth canto of Srimad Bhagavatam say, better be on earth because after a very short life, you can go back to Godhead. The middle planetary system where we're at now is characterized by mixed happiness and distress. Not too much distress so that you're totally obliterated and devastated 24-7. Sometimes it seems like that. But there's always some glimpse of potential happiness and even some moments of fleeting happiness. It's mixed. Whereas in the heavenly planets, ah, you just drown in an inundation of material happiness. Although there's also distress there. Krishna tells you that in Bhagavad Gita. From the highest planet in the universe, even Brahmaloka, down to the lowest, Krishna says, all are places of misery, of repeated birth and death. So is Krishna exaggerating? We probably will think. It's not so bad. <laughs> there are good days and there are bad days. But when compared to the spiritual world, any place in the material realm is unworthy of our habitation. But we're determined to make it worthy, right? It's all up to your, your talents, your skills, your education, your finances. You can make a go in the material world. You can establish something. You should be ambitious. Be positive, right? <laughs> be proactive. <laughs> Manage your personal brand appropriately and you'll rise and people will applaud you for that. Oh, you have done so nicely. Just <laughs> so funny thought came to my mind a memory. Uh, my father never spoke much. But 
but when, upon my graduating from university, he said to me, and looking back, I can see that it was very, a very moving moment for him. His son had just graduated from Yale, and so he was feeling so overwhelmed and proud, and he just said to me, my son, I have to say, I couldn't have, in my life, I couldn't have done better than what you've done. One month later, I was in the Brahmacharya <laughs> So we want to claim for having made a good fortress in the material world, a good station, a... We want to set up ourselves in the material world so that we can have as much happiness as possible. All of us think we are separate and independent gods. These sorts of our involvement with the material world begins with anger and envy. Damisra. We're angry. Why can't I be a free, independent enjoyer like Krishna. Anger and envy are very closely related. Why him and not me? This is buried deep in our psyche as conditioned souls. It's so it's buried so deep we can't remember. We think oh, I'm not envious. I'm not angry. <laughs> but all our material endeavors are actually based on anger and envy of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. How is that? Because we think we're very innocent, yes? We just want this and that and that, and not so much. <laughs> Although we're never satisfied, even if we get what we want, So how is it that we have this anger slash envy, the original cause of our being present in the material world? Just think, I often explain this point. We want to enjoy, that's imitating Krishna. But not only do we want to enjoy, but like it or not, as soon as you want to enjoy, you have to control. So there you have it. Ishvara Parama Krishna, Satchananda Vigraha. Krishna is a supreme controller. But we want to control, at least to some degree, in order to be happy. In other words, the lesson of the material world is that as soon as you try to enjoy, to be happy, you must control to some degree. So what do we tell ourselves? It's not much that I try to control. We like to consider ourselves to be innocent criminals. <laughs> criminals by circumstance. <laughs> We're not... It's like saying, I'm not a murderer. <laughs> I'm 
I just do a bit of shoplifting every once in a while. <laughs> we classify our deeds as very minor. And we expect the super soul in the heart to understand. I didn't murder anybody. I just, you know, every once in a while I shoplift. I see something I like. Nothing serious. <laughs> I'm not damaging society like some kind of violent person. This is our conception. But if we look through the viewpoint of the Shastra, we find that we are guilty. Guilty of imitating Krishna and we have the root syndrome of anger and envy. Why is Krishna the only supreme enjoyer and controller? I want to enjoy and control. So I often explain that as soon as you want to enjoy the material world, the material body, then you must control even to the most subtle degree. Maybe it's just moving your eyelashes. <laughs> Maybe it's just flexing your muscles. <laughs> it can be as subtle as that. But you're doing what you feel is necessary to influence the situation so that the outcome is favorable for your happiness, for your pleasure. It could be just the way you dress. It's all designed for getting what we want. But it's very subtle. And this is why we, we present ourselves as not so bad at all. And we can always look at others who are worse, right? And that makes us feel better. But why not be brave? Why not be courageous? And look at the original cause of our material existence. I remember in France, devotees were really pressing Srila Prabhupada about how is it possible if we were originally with Krishna to turn our back on Krishna. If you've got a good thing going, you don't drop it. So they were asking, how is it that we became dissatisfied with Krishna enough to turn our back on him, to turn away. And as soon as you turn away from Krishna, you're in the material realm. A shadowy, dreamy place in which you can hallucinate that you're separate from Krishna and that we are the independent enjoyers and controllers. So they were asking, bro, but how could this happen? When you're with Krishna, you're with Krishna. It's like, <laughs> The unlimitedly attractive Krishna. How can you become tired of being with Krishna if you're actually with Krishna? So Prabhupada gave a very interesting example. He said, suppose every day you're getting very nice dal and chapatis. <laughs> it's like... Every day when I'm in Melbourne in the evening, I get very nice kitchen and baratas. So suppose one day I say, well, it's very tasty. There's no doubt. The kitchen and the baratas. But I'd like to try 
And in the evening, I'd like to try some carrot halva. <laughs> it doesn't mean I don't like the, the kitri and the parathas, but I just want to try out something different. So this is the example Prabhupada gave about how we turn our back on Krishna. It's not that we're tired of being with Krishna, we just start wondering, what would it be like to be Krishna? What would it be like to be the independent enjoyer and controller? And just that thought is enough to bring you into the material realm. You can't be that, but you have the capacity to hallucinate. And the material realm is the realm of hallucination. So this is the original anger slash envy. Why can't I be him? If you've ever been envious of someone, you know what that feels like. Why can't I have what he has? Why can't I have what she has? <laughs> it's our materialistic propensity to always try to minimize someone else's position in comparison to us. Unless they're our friends, unless they're doing something for us, then all right, it's okay that you get what you want. So the devatas are pointing out, we can't see the super soul, although the super soul is always with us, we can't see him because we all think we are separate and independent gods. That means we all think we are the separate controllers and enjoyers. So the demigods understand the science of perception. We can't see straight because of our attitude. Mundane scholars think that anyone can open the Shastra and just understand what's going on, regardless of your behavior, regardless of your consciousness. They don't understand that the Shastric knowledge is state-specific. That means according to your state of consciousness, that determines what you can understand. How can that be? It would seem that, well, Never mind about my behavior. I just pick up the book and I can understand the same thing as a, a bhakti yogi can understand. What is the difficulty? You're assuming, however, that you are the controller of your perception. And what does Krishna say in Bhagavad Gita? I'm in your heart. And I'm controlling what you can understand, what you forget, what you remember. That's all up to me as the controller of your perception. So this is what it means that our Shastric knowledge is state-specific. If your consciousness is in Tamaguna, mode of ignorance, or rajaguna, mode of passion, you can't understand the same thing as someone whose consciousness is in, in sattva 
or Shuddha Sattva pure goodness. So this is how the affliction of thinking we are the independent controls and enjoyers, this is how that affliction affects our knowledge. You may recall how in the 17th chapter of Bhagavad Gita, Krishna describes that the three modes of nature affect your beliefs, your concepts, not just your physical behavior. I overate due to the influence of the mode of passion. More than that, your very conceptions, your beliefs, your faith is all a product of the modes of material nature. So the devatas here understand the problem, but yet they're appealing for something. They want something. That's why they're in their status as devatas. They know the Supreme Personality of God exists, but they want benefits from him. Now you might say, well, how can you blame the devatas for turning to the Supreme Personality Guided, they're under attack by Vritrasura, a most empowered demon. Of course, Vritrasura is actually a devotee, but he's acting like a demon. And he's so fierce that even the Dhammatas are afraid. They don't know what to do. So they turn to the Supreme Personality Godhead offering prayers, offering glorification. They're very eloquent in expressing their desires. They first start out by saying that everyone's afraid of the time factor, but the time factor itself is afraid of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. <laughs> Why should someone turn to anyone else for the solution? Doing so is like trying to cross the ocean by holding on to the tail of the dog. If you ever tried that, you might know what would happen. <laughs> the dog would drown and you'll drown too. <laughs> As you're holding on to the tail of the dog, and this is described in detail by Vishnu Chakravati Chakravati, by the way. <laughs> As you're holding on to the tail of the dog, the dog is struggling. <laughs> And not only will you go down, but the dog goes down too. So the devatas are saying, anyone desiring to be protected by others is certainly a great fool who desires to cross the sea by holding the tail of the dog. So they're building up their approach to making the request. And that request is going to be, please save us, do something about this demon. They continue in verse 23, as we heard, they talk about the Matsya Avatar who saved Satya Vratamuni, the fish incarnation. In the first canon, it is stated, Deva Tirya Narajshu. The Supreme Personality God, it appears in so many kinds of forms as Devatas as lower animals, as human-like.
we can't know of all the various avatars because they appear in every species of life. Not simply animals, not simply human beings. This is how merciful the Supreme Personality God it is. He appears in every species of life and acts in such a way that those in that species will be benefited according to their capacity to understand. Even in human life, the Supreme Personality God that appears himself or sends his representatives and they speak and teach according to the capacity of the recipients. Just like those who come from a Christian background know or may know that in according to their Bible, Jesus tells his followers, there are many things I long to teach you, but your ears can't possibly bear to hear it. And he talks about his father in my father's house, but he gives very scant information about the father. He's expertly teaching according to the capacity of the audience. In Bhagavad Gita, Krishna has a much more advanced audience. Arjuna is far beyond the level of human beings today. So Krishna in Bhagavad Gita can say much more. So the devatas are giving you insight as they do a round robin of various ways in the universe that the Supreme Personality Godhead shows mercy by rescuing his devotees. He did it for Satyavrata Muni. In every day of Brahma, Rupa Goswami explains in Lagu Bhagavatamrita, which is the, like the handbook of the avatars. It explains in detail the science of the avatars. Rupa Goswami says that there are two appearances of Matsya avatar in every day of Brahma. So this is a particular, this is the second appearance of Matsya avatar. Saving King Satyavrata. And then they even bring in Lord Brahma to bolster their case, to strengthen their case that they're presenting to the Supreme Lord, why you should save us. Remember what happened to Brahma? He's Adi Kavi, the original intellectual of the universe. He was so frightened at the beginning of creation as he sat upon the lotus flower coming from the navel of Garbhadakashaya Vishnu. The waves of the ocean of devastation were so fierce that Brahma was frightened as he almost fell from his perch on the lotus flower. But he was saved with the help of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So they said, we presented all these cases and now what? Thus, we also expect 
the Lord to protect us from this dangerous condition. So again, you might say, well, what's wrong with that? Why should we criticize them? They're turning to the Supreme Lord. And as you know, in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Chatur-vita-pajan-demam-jana-sukhati-na-arjuna. Four types of persons approach me. Those who are inquisitive, those who are distressed, those who seek prosperity, and those who want knowledge. All have auspicious merit, sukhati. But they're not pure. But Krishna assures you that if they stick to the bhakti process, eventually they'll become purified. So in this way, you, it's not that you can criticize the devatas, it's just that they're not unconditional or pure devotees. So we might wonder, how does this apply to ourselves? If there's danger, striking us in whatever way? Don't we naturally appeal? Oh, Krishna, save me, save me, stop this situation. It seems natural, but Bhagavatam is training us about the existence of a higher level, a higher level that we should aspire for. Srila Prabhupada taught us that during his own months of pre-departure. Naturally, all the devotees were praying ferociously, fervently. Oh, Krishna, please allow Srila Prabhupada to stay with us. Please cure him. But Prabhupada taught us what he wanted our prayer to be. He was teaching us pure bhakti. He taught us the prayer, my dear Lord Krishna, if you so desire, please cure Srila Prabhupada. So even in his final months, he's teaching so dynamically pure bhakti. <laughs> the devatas, no, they're not on that level. But they are devotees. So we should not be intimidated by this kind of standard. Because naturally, most of you are thinking, well, if I'm in a tight spot, if I'm caught between a rock and a hard place, I want Krishna to save me. Otherwise, what's the use in my bhakti? I want a payoff, an insurance policy. <laughs> Krishna, I served you today, and when there's a problem tomorrow, you come and save me. <laughs> This is bhakti, but it's mixed. We're not going to go around criticizing those of us who think in that way. It takes some practice. It takes some good association. And in that good association, you hear what is the higher standard. So the knee-jerk reaction is, as soon as something, as soon as distress appears, we call out, oh, Krishna, save me, stop this from happening. And then you catch yourself. And you tell yourself, Krishna, help me to go through this situation remembering you. 
just like Queen Kunti prayed. The real benefit of all the distresses we Pandavas went through is not that you saved us, but that we were conscious of you. That's the real benefit. The dangers made us so conscious of you that we'd rather have the dangers than everything be nice. Because when the dangers are present, we think of you more. Now everything seems to be fine and you're going back to Dwarka. In Brihad Bhagavatamrita, Sanatana Goswami explains how the Pandavas sometimes scheme how to concoct some distress so that Krishna will stay with us. You say, well, that's too much. I mean, there's enough distress in life. You don't have to concoct something. <laughs> but their thinking higher than the distress is the presence of Krishna. And if our being in distress is what it takes for Krishna to be with us, let there be distress. We don't want to think about that one too much. Don't worry. I won't talk too much about it. <laughs> I remember during my Iron Curtain days, back in the late 70s, early 80s, I was in what is now known as the Czech Republic. And it was a ironclad prison because the people of some years before had already tried to rebel and break free from the Soviets. And so now they were, their country was like a, a prison cell. So we were doing an initiation ceremony there for the few devotees that were in the former Czechoslovakia. Very few, very difficult place to to preach at that time. And so the devotee doing, doing the initiating asked me, can you pick out a verse for the talk, for the lecture preceding the yajna? So I thought, well, what about this verse by Queen Kunti? Let the calamities happen again and again. <laughs> so the devotee said, oh, we don't want them to run away from the yajna. <laughs> we don't want to scare them. <laughs> so in the beginning and even in the middle of our spiritual development, we, we, we feel it's natural to call out, Krishna, save me. In other words, as Prabhupada would explain, Krishna be my order supplier. But we feel justified in being that way because I've done some service. So now you can be my water supplier. It's the knee-jerk reaction. What you spontaneously, materially spontaneously, how you spontaneously, materialistically respond due to many bursts of conditioning. The devatas are upfront about it. They submit their request. Okay, we glorified you, Krishna. We've enumerated your glories and how you've saved others, now do what you must do, save us. This is conditional devotional service. And if we want to go to a higher level, we need to be conscious that there is pure love beyond this. 
Of course, the highest level is revealed by Mahaprabhu in the last verse of the Shikshastaka. If we think about it, that last verse is incomparable in terms of its depth of pure bhakti. So this is what we want to aspire for. We should know what's up ahead. Just like children going to primary school, they are aware that there's such a thing as the university. They don't understand what goes on at the university. If I ask these little boys right here in the front, they've got their notebooks and pens, and if I ask, what's life like at the university? Yeah? <laughs> you don't know what life is like at the university, right? No, you don't. He's looking at me wondering, huh? <laughs> but the parents tell them, study now, and then you'll go to the university. Even though the children don't have any idea of the dynamics of university life. But the parents want the children to what? To have that aspiration. <laughs> Similarly, the spiritual master wants that the devotees at least know about the highest level and develop the aspiration. It's not that we're going to criticize someone that, oh, your wife is very ill and you're praying to Krishna to cure her. That's my Prabhu. This is fanaticism. We're not going to do that. I can remember just maybe a month ago, where was I? I was getting some, some scans done in New Zealand, MRI, and this ultrasound and that. And my knee-jerk reaction before I caught myself was, Oh, Krishna, please make it so they don't find anything. <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute, Swami. <laughs> Back up there. <laughs> it's the natural reaction. But by hearing the Shastra, we develop higher aspirations. Just like the children, they want to play all the time. But the parents recognize you want to play, and yes, you can play a little bit, but there is such a thing as the university where you'll be studying. The parents want the children to have a higher aspiration, but you don't criticize the children for playing. Right? No one criticizes you for playing, right? <laughs> but you know your parents want you to go to the uni, right? <laughs> They've already told you, right? <laughs> the only question will be which uni? Is it RMIT, Melbourne Uni, Latrobe, Monash? <laughs> they want you around home, they don't want you going far away. <laughs> After I went away to university, my mother said, That's it, I'm not sending another of my children away to university. They've got to go to school in, the, in our own home city. <laughs> Mothers, you know. <laughs> They're like that. So, Bhagavatam is raising our standard. And the demigods admit we're not on that highest level. 
Thus, we also expect the Lord to protect us from this dangerous condition. And remember, they've already said, we can't see him because we think we are independent controllers and enjoyers. So that is another tendency, as we spoke about, that we need to watch in ourselves. Remember, we're not innocent. As soon as you want to enjoy, as soon as you want material happiness, you must control, at least to some degree. All right, any questions? Yes? Are you sure it was wonderful? They're just saying that. You say that to everyone, don't you? Of course, you hear wonders of Krishna and everything, right? Okay, I, I heard sometimes, you say that sometimes we are envious of the Supreme Lord, but what was the second part? Yes, so she's saying, well, we also have some love for Radha Madhava. Radha Madhava. Radha Madhava also. <laughs> you have love for Radha Madhava. I don't. <laughs> We're mixed in our recuperating stage. We're undergoing therapy to get out of our contamination of independent desires. So there's a mixture. Gradually, the impurities will leave the mixture and you'll be left with pure devotion. So you continue in the bhakti process and more and more Krishna will reveal himself. Anything? Yes. That you have to speak loud. Yes. Give me an example, please, what you mean. Then we go and we, you know, do our material duties, we work, or study, or we buy things. We think it's all for Krishna. And I'm decorating the house for Krishna. I'm, uh, I'm doing my work, I'm doing this, and I'm doing all, but it's all for Krishna's happiness. I have a car, but it's for Krishna. Okay. It very well may be. So you always check yourself. Is this really for Krishna's pleasure? Or is it for my status as independent enjoyer? And just making that effort shows Krishna you care. And you'll get better and better at it. 
Krishna's in your heart. Sarvasachahan Vidhi Sanivishta. He notices you're trying to do things for my pleasure. It may not be perfect at the beginning or at the middle stages, but it's not that Krishna just demolishes you. You're not perfect in doing things for my pleasure. That's it. I zap you with a thunderbolt. <laughs> you're a sinner in the hands of an angry God. <laughs> Bhakti is progressive. That's the point. It's not instant on, instant off. Be progressive about your spiritual life as you advance through the various stages. In this way, in spite of our imperfections, we notice that our Krishna consciousness is getting better, miraculously. So yes, what's wrong with thinking, I'm getting this car for Krishna's pleasure if the car is used to aid your devotional service, to help your family, which is Krishna-centered. What's wrong with that? And you'll become more expert gradually in doing things just for Krishna's pleasure. You see, we have this idea that love is some kind of static condition with a ceiling on it. But in bhakti, you just get better and better and better at serving Krishna with less and less selfish motives. Okay? Anything else? Yes? You mentioned we were originally associated with Krishna, but then we turned our face from Krishna to enjoy the cat example. Enjoy the cat hello example. So once we go back to the Krishna, can it also happen again? Uh, how do you explain <laughs> There's always fine print and technical details. <laughs> it's, it's possible because you're independent, but highly unlikely. You've already been burned, so you won't stick your hand in the fire again. That's That was Prabhupada's response. What more can I say? He said, it can happen that you choose to return to the material world, but it's highly unlikely. He thought about it for a while. There's always these technicalities, these the fine print. In other words, we cannot overlook the point that we are independent because we are part of Krishna. We have that minute independence to choose Krishna or not. This is hard for us to swallow. Because we want to blame Krishna for our being in the material world and suffering, right? Especially when we take up the bhakti process and suffering still comes. Oh. It's hard to understand. A hard pill to swallow. Oh, Krishna, how could you let this happen to me, your devotee? <laughs> What does Lord Brahma say? Karmani nidahati kinchu chapakti bhajam govindavadi purusham tamahmajam. Lord Brahma testifies that Krishna minimizes the karma due to his devotees. But we never see it in that way. We think, oh, minimize, you call this minimization? This is too much. Anyone could see that. We don't know all the horrible things we've done 
and the reactions that we're actually due because of those things. We think we're just innocent enjoyers and controllers. One last question. Yes. Speak loudly, please. Here comes the microphone. What should be our prayers when people, uh, the devotees around us, go through some material situations? What is the ideal prayer? There's nothing wrong in our wanting devotees to be free of material difficulties. That's better than simply wanting ourselves to be free from material difficulties. So for the others, we can pray, oh please Krishna, minimize their distress. At the same time, we should keep in mind the level of true bhakti, which is what Prabhupada taught us how to pray for him. My dear Lord Krishna, if you so desire, please pure Shiva Prabhupada. We're human beings. Look at Arjuna in the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita. <laughs> the first chapter of Bhagavad Gita, as I explained last night in our gathering, has an alternative title, The Yoga of Despair. <laughs> Arjuna was having a nervous breakdown. He was so overwhelmed by his material situation. He's showing you. This is what life in this world is like. But he took shelter of Krishna, that's the point. And at the end of Bhagavad Gita, he said, Krishna, I've heard what you've said, I'm, I've thought about it, I'll act according to your instruction. So we want the well-being of devotees. At the same time, we know that we're not independent Krishna is the ultimate control. So there's nothing wrong with wanting the well-being of devotees. There's nothing wrong with wanting the well-being of the world. At the same time, we know that the world is behaving in such a way as to destroy itself. But still, we want the well-being. Yet we know that people get their, their karmic reactions to their actions. Still, we want the well-being of all living entities. We see all living entities as equal, and as Krishna explains in the sixth chapter of the Gita, the true yogi sees the equality of all living entities, both in their happiness and their distress. In both their happiness and their distress. Why? The acharyas explain in their commentaries on that verse that the true yogi knows that if I were in that situation of distress, I would feel a certain way, so I don't want that for anyone. Also, the true yogi understands that the amounts of happiness and distress are just external. So it's, that verse speaks that verse speaks on two levels. It's all external, the happiness and distress. At the same time, I 
would not want anyone to go through that distress because I can see what it feels like, even though it's external. All right, they're very good questions today. Thank you very much. Hare Krishna. Amen.